Clinton was hosting this party, right? And I don't know what made me say it. I said, um, your left leg's staying and your right one's wanting to leave us something. So his line came back, he says, I'm That's what he said, right. I'm the producer of this secret comedy podcast. Amnesty International is involved in comedy because comedy is a freedom of expression. Freedom of expression is a human right and Amnesty stands up for human rights. If you want to hear the rest of this podcast without censorship and repression, then do your bit now. Text the word SECRET to 70555 to donate £3. That's SECRET to 70555. Text costs £3 plus one standard message. Refer to your tariff for details. Amnesty UK receives at least £2.85 from every £3 donated. Over 18s only. Please ask bill payers permission. See full terms and conditions at amnesty.org.uk slash SMS terms. If you do it now, you can actually hear what Bill Clinton said to Claire Sweeney at the end of this podcast. Go on. You know it makes sense. Amnesty Secret Comedy Podcast with Susan Kalman. Thank you for making this show one of the most popular podcasts in the UK right now. Lend us your ears for the next wee while and we'll put something nice inside them. Our first guest earned his crown as the king of improvised comedy on Whose Line Is Anyway and was everyone's favourite friar tuck in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. This year he presents himself as a playwright. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the legend that is Mike McShane! How are you? I'm all right, Susan. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, thank you. Cool. We've kind of uh, walked past each other several times. A lot. In the, in the street and just gone, hello, hello, hello. Uh, and uh, our mutual friend, Ms. Toxvig. The lovely Miss Sandy Toxvig. Lovely Sandy Toxvig. I uh, hear you were out with her last night, hanging out. Uh, yeah. Yep, okay, good. <laughs> I, I was with her earlier in the afternoon, so I sort of like got her started and she carried you through to the evening. Yeah, she did. I've been <laughs> out with her twice at uh, this festival, and both times I've ended up in a rather bad state. For a small Danish woman, she can put it away. She certainly can. She was, She's I don't phenomenal. Know, she was shorts last night. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, yeah. I thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, you're here, what, you're doing two things this year, though, aren't you? I'm doing what two doing? things. Um, with Paul Merton, doing Paul Merton's Impro Chums, with Suki, Lee, uh, Richard, and Paul and I. And then Suki and I are in a play that I wrote called Mondois. Uh, that's at 2 o'clock at the Pleasants Below. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my first shot of being a playwright. I used to write sketch and stuff when I was in an improv group, sketch group with Greg Proops, and I kind of gave up writing for a while just because I'm a lazy bastard. <laughs> and it takes work. Improvising, much better. It's like, it's like a chalkboard for the mind. Oh, that's not working. Okay, here we go again. You know, so you get that. You know. And uh, what's the uh, play about, if anyone's It's about an American it. named Robert James Moore. It's based on a true story, and these are the facts that we know. In 2007, 2008, he came to the United Kingdom. He had a psychological condition called de Clarembeau syndrome, where he believed that the Queen of England was sending him messages to come across and be effectively her paramour. He came, came, to, the, came to London, uh, ran out of money, started sleeping rough in St. James Park, he swam across to the West Island, and there he died. And his body was not found, or his skeletal remains were not found until 2011. It's a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> come, come, come. You'll walk, you'll walk out whistling the desperation. 
It's because of the Queen's Jubilee, you know, and yeah. because of the American fascination with royalty and the, the British bemusement with said fascination uh, kind of piqued my interest. And also, personally, I had a friend who was a schizophrenic who died, and he had problems maintaining his medication most of his life. And the temptation to go off the meds was incredibly strong. And I had a lot of empathy for him because of that, because he, he knew what it would cost him. But the highs, when you have those certain conditions, are phenomenal. And he said to me once, he goes, if you believed that when you woke in the morning that you were, without exception or doubt, a bright shining God, why would you take something that would want to make you feel anything but? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you got a point, bro. You know? In many ways, that's what the Edinburgh Festival does to comedians. Though. It does. It does. Yeah. You're like the Scotsman for like two months a year. You're really important. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's it. No. And then, that's then, it. You no. Go, then you go back to the abuse again. Yeah, absolutely. You know? for, for one month a year. Well, it depends, actually. I mean, I don't know if you've had any bad experiences in Edinburgh. With, have you had any bad experiences with audiences? No, only seagulls. Right. No, I got, I got two years ago, I, I love the Lauren sausage. Not only is um, it's a wonderful piece of meat, it's a brilliant example of Scottish engineering. Why have a round sausage that rolls off of your morning roll when you have a piece that's shaped like the bread? Yeah. You slice it, you grill it, you slap it on there, you put some grilled onions, a little sauce brune, and then, you know, I set it up. I sat it up. I went to the other room to get my tea mug. I was staying on Dumby Dykes Road. And it's like basically a You're modified... staying where? On Dumby Dykes Road. Dumpy Dykes Road. Dumby... No, I didn't say it. Dumby. Dumby. Dumb... I thought, my God, they've named a road after me. That's extraordinary. <laughs> Thank you. You took that so yeah, beautifully. of course. I would just get my photo taken underneath it like that. Yes, this is my road. Edinburgh loves me. It's right across from where I used to live, Fat Bastard Avenue. <laughs> So I go, I go in the other room to get my tea mug, and I hear this like, cling, 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 and I walk out, and a seagull had flown in, grabbed my sandwich, snagged it, is on top of a dumpster in like the, on the tarmac with it in its beak going, hey, yeah, yeah, look at that. And I'm like, you dirty son of a bitch. So the next day, I actually made the sandwich and ate it with my, like shirtless, which is not very attractive, with brown sauce on my chin, looking at this gull going, what? Kids are down there going, what's he doing? Oh, that fat American's crazy. <laughs> I wonder if he's naked below the window. <laughs> you know? When was your first time at the Edinburgh Fringe? Uh, it was like 1990. It was me, Jim Sweeney, and Steve Steen. Some Scottish journalists didn't like me. Was, the TV star came in. He did his improv. Other people did improv. Then he left. I'm like, wow. Wow. Wow, harshness. Yeah, just seeing it's like Susan Cameron walked on stage... 55 minutes later, walked off. That's quite Did you get one of those? No. Uh, <laughs> no, I've, I've had worse than that. I've had worse oh, than yeah. that. But I don't, you see, this is honestly, I don't read my reviews, right? I had a terrible experience yesterday. I don't read my reviews because I don't want to know. And I phoned my dad yesterday, my lovely dad, right? And they, yeah. uh, it doesn't matter how many times I say, them, say to them, don't. He went, I phoned up to my dad and said, uh, Hi, Annie. Went, How's it going? I went, fine. He said, yeah, I read The Guardian. <laughs> and I went, Dad, don't tell me. And, I said, and he said, oh, I haven't shown your mother yet. And I went, don't, don't tell me. And he said, yeah, social climbing at its worst. And I went, what are you doing? And I went, oh, I'm only joking. Fuck. Oh! <laughs> they do it. No, they do. They find a way. You say, don't do this. And yeah. It's like, then they're like a child. It's like, you say that, they're going, oh, yeah. that's great. My dad used to do the same thing to me. I almost killed my dad in Dublin. I would took my my dad lived to be ninety six. I'm adopted. My my mom and dad are about the same size as Susan. 
And um, I'm like Métis Indian and soldier on leave. And my mom and dad are Irish Americans, the McShanes. And they adopted me and very rapidly it was very apparent that I was not from them. And, um, and, but my dad was a sweet old Irish American guy and very, very, that's sort of, you know, the thing you love to make fun of. I took him to Dublin, he was 90. He gets in the cabin, he goes, tough in the morning. And he goes, no, don't do that. Oh, God, I'm so middle class. I was like, no. You know, the guy was really sweet. We get to the hotel, and we, we, have a, we start having a battle. You know, it was my gift to him at 90, and we get to St. Stephen's Church. He's a rampant Catholic. I'm an atheist. And we went to the church, and I go out of respect to him because it's his wishes, and we get up to go communion, and there's a woman giving communion. He goes, I can't do that. And I'm like, what? I go, I don't know. No, you switch places with me. I'm like, no, I'm not going to. Take communion for the woman. She's been ordained by the Pope or whatever magic act that makes them okay to give communion. So live it up, you know? And he goes, I can't do it. I go, what's your problem with women? I'm in the church, St. Stephen's. And there's all these old Irish people going, why is that American yelling at the man? And I go, what? They bring us into the freaking world. They put up with our bullshit and our lies. We usually die before them with our head in their left. Going, I'm sorry, I was such an asshole. And they go, that's okay, that's okay. And you got a problem taking sacrament from them? What happened? So I pushed him in the line. And so now we're going, poof. And he's like, poof, pushing me. Poof, poof. And we get back to the hotel. I go, what? He goes, I don't know. I just can't do it. I can't take it from a woman. I go, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to, and this is a secret. This is about secrets today. Mm-hmm. If you keep this up, I'm going to kill you and eat you. <laughs> and I did. He's from Kansas City, so he was a little smoky and a little stringy. Yeah. That's a nice secret. It uh, is. Uh, this is the Amnesty uh, podcast. Amnesty is a hugely important organisation. Uh, Pussy Riot being one of the main things that we're talking about just now. Right on. About the three Russian uh, ladies who have been sentenced now. It's two years. For hooliganism. Think, for hooliganism, for uh, simply... Uh, singing a song, making a statement. It's one thing I was talking last night to another comedian about how glorious it is that we can stand on stage and say anything, really, that we want. Uh, And we're not going to be sent to prison. And uh, that's why amnesty is important to me. Is that one of the reasons why it's an important thing for you? Absolutely. It becomes ridiculous when you can... You can... I mean... I, I remember there was a couple, one time I was in, in, in this woods in, in a part of Central California, a bit of a hippie. I was on the army. I was hanging out with my friends. We were singing, you know. And, and these guys, I couldn't see them, but this guy had a really awful, it was a bunch of bikers. We do that. And they could be pretty fierce. And the guy like, shut up, fat boy. And I, and I remember going, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to get in a fight. I didn't want to, like, confront. I didn't want to know who. I never saw him, but he just made this noise. And I went. And I shut up. And I remember I spent the whole day just hating myself for shutting up. And I was always a bit of a coward. I was always the soft kid, you know, that way. Eh, leave me alone. Until then you pushed me too far. And then I went nuts. And then they went, oh, he's crazy. It's like, you know, I was like, so, you know, and, and, you know, and people in right-wing organizations do that. In order to be able to strike against people from nowhere, they'll tell you to shut up. And you don't know who they are. And you get scared. And you do this. They love that shit. Mm. Bullies love that. Yes, and that's what Amnesty International is campaigning, for people to be able to say what they want to see, freedom of expression. Yep. Um, do you know, Mike, this has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. It's been gorgeous. Thank you for and, having me on, uh, Susan. No, really. no, not at all. You're an absolute genius, and it's been it's an honour to meet you. I've watched you for many years. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Cheers. Uh, Thanks, guys. Mike McShane, everybody. Mike McShane. <laughs> guest manages the incredible feat of being both the son's favourite comedian of the year and one of the most honest, respectable and credible performers at the Fringe. Please welcome the relentless Terry Alderton! Well, I 
go and do my gigs, what I do is I, I take copious amounts of Red Bull and, and lager, and then everyone goes, whoa, he's really mad, you see. But I've had none of that. I've just had tea. <laughs> so uh, I feel, I mean, uh, people are obviously listening to this on the, on the remember it was called the wireless? Um, people, well, it is wireless, isn't it? if it's on the internet. But um, hey, whoa, that was quite... <laughs> well done. <laughs> so um, I... I'm turning it to Liam and so on. Uh, yes, so, you know, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> five DVDs, but um, he, uh, <laughs> Lee Evans is doing impressions of me at the moment where he's going, no DVDs, fuck all. I better take that back. Razzy, yes, um, so I am, um, I am, um, I've got no jokes, but I am, um, I, my dog, uh, buried my dog, it's very sad when you have to do that, isn't it? And uh, I went down the garden and uh, he hadn't got out, but it's, uh, <laughs> I've only got one joke and I've, I haven't done any, but I was reincarnated as um, an African man living in a tribe um, in Africa and my name was, and uh, in English, Scottish, right? Um, I, come on, keep the cliche going. Uh, my name was uh, my name was Giddy Up, and uh, then I was uh, then I was. Uh, this is gonna die on its ass. I know. Then I then I uh, then I was reincarnated as as as, as, as an Amazonian warrior, where my name is, uh, which uh, translated into English jokes. Gordes uh, was who's a pretty boy then, and and then I was then reincarnated as a small can of Coca-Cola, not the uh, not the regular size can, the small one that you get on flights, and I was consumed by a an obese lady from Pichelli. Hey, fantastic, that's wheels, huh? And uh, you know, being a small can of Coca-Cola, <laughs> the only words I ever said were Psst, and um, that scared the life out of a cat, but she shouldn't have had that on a flight, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. Now, I figure, ladies and gentlemen, that um, if, you, uh, if you can do the noises and, um, and you should put them into a comedy routine. <laughs> I just did. Well, so I'm going to, uh, I think we're going to do an interview now. It could be awkward. Terry. Hi. How are you doing? I'm all right, but this is going to be difficult. It later. is. It is. Because <laughs> you know. Anyway. Um... How's your Edinburgh going so far, sweetie pie? <laughs> For the benefit of the tape, Mr. Alderson just. Uh, it's nodded. amazing. I um. <laughs> I used to be a lawyer. You I can't know, play that game with me, son. I know. That's how we first met. But yes, I, I... know. Ah, the good days I in am, the prison I am. cell. You know, but you know, you have got. I'm, I'm you know, I'm gonna. Because I, I, you know, like everyone, you, you know, it's something your first here. And there is something about coming up all together. Is that camaraderie, being together? But I, I came up for the last ten days, and I'm only doing seven shows. So it's like you know, they've all been fighting the war, and I've gone. Uh, are we still fighting this one? <laughs> it's me. lovely that you're here, and we're talking about the secret comedy podcast. I want to know. Mm. Have you ever been told a secret you've given away? Have you mm. accidentally told anyone a secret? Um, mm. <sighs> no. <laughs> that was fucking beautiful. It was the tension. It was like an episode of Dynasty. I didn't know what was going to happen. 
I've opened this. Was I supposed to do that? Yeah. This stuff's running out, man. Yeah, you can have that if you want to. Uh, this is the biggest skank of the 21st century, bottled water, isn't it? It must have been a Scottish guy going, I've got a great idea to make a lot of money. He goes, oh, you're going to do that? I'm going to, go, I'm going to get a bottle of water. Huh? That's fantastic. Where are you going to get the water from? Out the tap. <laughs> Not that it would be... I'm just saying Scottish because your water's so good. If we were in Canada right now, I would have done it about the Canuck, right? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Terry Alderton, everyone. Terry Alderton. <laughs> have a song everyone got a Canadian comic who's sweetening up audiences all over the world with her show living the sweet life here with her trusty ukulele and her picking fingers ready it's Dion Smith thanks Susan hey guys this song is guaranteed to speak to every single person in the room this song is about something that we all have in common and I'd like to dedicate it to you guys all of you guys And really, this song is so universal, I could dedicate it to the whole entire world. The whole entire world. I mean, the main thing is like, you have to speak English. Um, Because this song's in English. Um, But but if you you don't speak English, um, sorry, the song, it's not for you. It's not, it's just, just for us. That's, guys, that's that's obviously a joke, right? That's a joke, okay. Because everybody speaks English. We're winning. We are winning. Um, Okay, so here we go. Dedicated to you guys. Everyone is different. We all belong to different clubs. Diversity is beautiful. There's no need to push and shove. One thing we all have in common. One thing that we're made of We've all got a heart and a soul And we're all here to die We're gonna die, we're gonna die We're gonna kick the bucket We're gonna buy the farm And you're gonna die And you're gonna die And your mom's gonna die Sorry if she's already dead Die, 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 Everyone is different. We all belong to different clubs. We all have different likes and we all have different ways to die. It might be suicide, accidental poisoning, wrongful state, execution, or spontaneous combustion, which happens sometimes. You're just living your life, and then you burst into fucking flames. (laughs) Death is coming for us. We don't know where or when or how. It's like a kinder surprise. But the surprise is really sad and horrible! (laughs) One thing we all have in common Listen up, cause it is no lie We're all here for a short time And we're all here to love We gotta love We gotta love each other. Are you guys a couple? No. 
seems to be a lot of chemistry there. Um, <laughs> we gotta love each other. Like sisters love their brothers, all kinds of love. Or like lovers love their lovers in different positions and various ways with extra lubrication. If you wanna get into safe anal play, I don't know what you guys are into. Okay, that's not, that's not a judgment, that's just a public service announcement. I know <laughs> things get crazy during the festival. Um, if you are going in through the back door, just be sure to grease it up, lube it up. You just wanna, just wanna avoid any pain or small tearing that could happen. Love, love each other like flowers love the sun, like children love fun, like the US loves illegal occupation. Love, love each other like drunks love bars, like astronomers love stars, like Christians love illogical arguments. Love, love each other like chickens love to brood, like intruders love to intrude, like Scottish people love deep fried food. It's too much, right? It's too much. Don't, don't deep fry a pizza. Love, love each other, just love. Love each other, just love. Love each other, cause you're gonna die. Thanks, guys. Dion Smith, everyone! Now, there isn't a comedy festival in the world that the next guest wouldn't light up. She's on in the same room as me every night and every day I think to myself, I'm on the same stage as this next guest. She truly is one of the best comedians I've ever seen. I want the appropriate welcome. She is the awesome Felicity Ward! It's very nice to be here. I do. Uh, I genuinely love being in Edinburgh. I absolutely love it. They call Paris the city of romance, and I think they're wrong. I think it's Edinburgh. Your romance is everywhere. Like every day on my way to work, your romance is even in, your, in the graffiti. Every day on my way to work, I see written on the pathway, apropos of nothing, it just has Stephen loves cock. And you just think <laughs> it's just like having rose petals thrown at your face, isn't it? Just like stepping over a candlelit dinner every day. But... The best thing that I've seen was I was on my way to this bar and there was this sort of bambi-legged babe and she was a bit pissed because she's Scottish and she was sort of singing sweetly at a boyfriend. Her boyfriend was leaning over the bridge looking into the water and she, was, uh, and she was singing at him and pointing at him and beckoning him and she was saying, come on, come on, come on. Who the fuck is Diane? Who the fuck is Diane? As I said, love is in the air and... Um, I, uh, I love dogs. Excellent segue. You're right, sir. I love dogs, but the thing that I love most about dogs is that without a dog, I'm just a lady in the park holding a plastic bag full of steaming shit, you know? With a dog, I'm environmentally responsible. Without a dog, I am mentally unstable. I cleaned up after myself. I put it in a bag. Meh. I've recently had quite a significant birthday. Uh, I've just turned 21, thank you. And um, some sarcastic laughter there. Uh, no, I just, I actually have, I've just turned 30, which is quite a big deal, big 3 um, two years ago. And uh, I am, I'm 31, I'm nearly 32. I'm dying is what I'm saying. I am gently dying every day and they can't tell me how long I've got. And... Uh, when you are hurtling towards the great nothingness, you start to prioritise, you know, the bucket list and other Morgan Freeman films. And what, 
What I've started to do is I've, I've started to do things that I've never done before and so I recently went to a beautician and they make me very nervous and I hadn't been to one but I thought, go ahead with it, Felicity. So I was getting my legs waxed and I had this lovely lady but in the middle of it, she's waxing my legs and she looked up and she said, just while I'm here, just while I'm waxing your legs, would you like me to wax your toes as well? <laughs> Sorry, what? She said, just while I'm doing your legs, would you like me to do your toes as well? And I said, no, thank you, no. Would you like to know why? Because I'm not a gibbon and I'm not a hobbit, yeah? So let's just stick to the arrangement. A half leg in my asshole is fine. Thank you. My dad, uh, my dad thinks that I need a lot of help with my jokes. Uh, clearly he's wrong. And uh, no, he, he calls me up all the time with these. He works on a building site and so he calls me up with terrible jokes. And he called me up recently and ironically I'm about to tell you one now. And uh, what's the opposite of irony? Wrinkly, very good. So he called me up and... Uh, I've got two more of those. One of them is bona fide, which is a genuine erection. And uh, <laughs> number three is hornet, which is a device to catch a promiscuous woman. So <laughs> I will leave you on this. Uh, I do have a dog. I don't have any kids. I really wanted kids, though, when I was in my early 20s, but I could just never lure them into my car. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't have a licence. Thank you very much. I've been Felicity Ward. You've been wonderful. Prince and Michael Jackson formed their very own group. They'd be just like our next act. With more awards between them than Team GB, please welcome to the stage Dan Antopolsky, Tom Crane and Nat Sarma, a.k.a. comedy group, Jigsaw! <laughs> what happened to Herman? Oh, Dan, your, your pet mouse got trapped somewhere uh, without any food or water, and, and he... Listen, mate... I'm so sorry. Yesterday, I managed to kick over this bucket with my boots. Now, inside the bucket was a large silver ball. You know the one Graham gave us? The glitter ball. Oh, the glitter ball, Well, that zigzagged down a slope and along this guttering. Now, at the end of a guttering was a large pole supporting what seemed to be a huge baseball glove. I left that there. I'm so sorry. Now, now, on that baseball glove was a secondary green ball which fell into a bathtub, through a hole, onto a seesaw, catapulted a little ornamental diver into a tub which released... You know the upturned laundry basket? The upturned laundry basket! The one we've been meaning to get rid of for ages. Well, that kind of juddered down and it trapped... Herman and then... And then he starved to death. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan. It's such an unlikely chain of events. Such an unlikely <laughs> chain of events. No one's to blame me. Why couldn't it be like last time when the bath was slightly too far from the seesaw? <laughs> hey, Tom Tom, have you, uh, have you got any WD-40? Um... Why do you need some? Ah, it's the pulley system, man. It's badly in need of lubrication. How can you be sure? Well, let me put it this way. Brr, brr, that's the sound of the pulleys. <laughs> <laughs> you were... Uh, you're waiting for a bus, yeah? Yeah. You'd be all right with me. I'm part of the memory estate crew. Doesn't matter. Whatever. <laughs> wow. I hear you guys own these streets. Yeah, we own these streets. <laughs> So you're liable for maintenance? What? We got potholes, oh. so... Oh, that's so... Uh, like I say, like we own the streets as a sort of shorthand. If you want to get into it, we actually lease uh, the streets. If it's a maintenance issue, you want to talk to the freeholder. That is Lambeth Council. Ask for Janine. 
I've always found her very helpful. <laughs> You're from around here, yeah? Yeah. Nice. Do you know Kerry? Yeah. Yeah, she all right, isn't she? Yeah. yeah, good old girl, yeah. Do you know her brother? Older, younger. Older? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Do you know Skinny Pete? Lived on Acre Lane? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Skinny Pete, innit? In it. <laughs> Skinny Pete. <laughs> Uh, do you know Justin Bieber? Uh, yeah, I know Jeeber. <laughs> yeah, you know. Wow, like you know him. Oh, uh, no. Different circles, you know. <laughs> Different circles. Do you, do you know the 415 bus? Northbound or southbound? Northbound. Yep, 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 yep. yep, yep. Do you know, like, sometimes, yeah, you see the bus and you run for the bus and you get all sweaty and you make it and then it sits there for six minutes and you feel like a dick. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, know that? that? <laughs> oh, my days. Uh, uh. Have you known sorrow? Uh, what, my, my nan died last year as it goes, so... I have known a measure of sorrow. Sorry for your loss. Thanks, yeah, bad time. Cheers. Do you think you know yourself? I try. It's all one can do, innit? It's all one can do. In this life. In this life, in this life. Oh, there's my bus, bye. Do you know you're pretty? Yeah. Hey, Jeremy. Mm, what? Jeremy. Dan. No, I'm not. It's Dan. Hello. Great. Well done, mate. That's great. But no, I'm not Jeremy. Yeah, you are. We met at Ben Wilson's thing on Tuesday. Jeremy. Don't know a Ben Wilson, mate. No. Not Jeremy. No, not Jeremy. All right. All right, mate. You think you know someone. Quickly, come and sit down with me very quickly. One question: uh, We're talking about it's a secret amnesty podcast. Any secrets you've ever given away, or has anyone told you anything you want to now give away? Ooh, ooh, this is so tempting because uh, me and Tom uh, uh, used to date, so we've got loads of dirt on each other. But um, okay. I might not. There's, there's, there's a secret thing that that uh, makes us laugh every day of the fringe. Actually, we've got this backdrop in our show that's like the three of us in silhouette, looking really badass. We look name really badass. Front. I, I still want to put it in my bedroom. Oh God! I mean, we have to wrestle that up and down three flights of stairs every single day. It's an exercise in hubris. I won't do it again. But we're always standing behind it, like picking our nose and like checking for spots. Like we always think one day that screen is just going to fall forward and the cool like facade will just reveal the horrible truth behind it. <laughs> Well, I've thought about you in many ways, Nat, and that's one of them. So, uh, everyone, uh, give a huge round of applause to Nat. Thank you very much. She kicked off her career in Brookside and went on to become a star of the West End and a loose woman. This year she's taking on one of the stage's most famous roles. It's the leading lady of educating Rita. Ladies and gentlemen, the appropriate amount of applause for the wonderful Claire Sweeney! Beautiful. Hello, gorgeous. You look radiant. Compared to most comedians who look close to death, <laughs> you look absolutely astonishing. How's your Edinburgh being? I'm absolutely loving it. Yeah? It's my first Edinburgh, so I've been deflowered and I've absolutely oh, loved God, it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's Tell fantastic. me who it was, Claire. I'll find them. <laughs> I think I've got my first girl crush as well. Susan. Oh, really? She's fabulous, isn't she? Absolutely brilliant. I'm now bouncing up and down on my chair in a way that's inappropriate. So, 
<laughs> I am intrigued. Educating Rita is uh, one of my absolute favourite films and it must be a wonderful play to be part of because it is so emotional. Oh, for me, in life I would say you have little boxes that you want to tick, don't you? Little ambitions and playing Rita was one of them. I auditioned for drama college in London and I used a piece from Educating Rita for my audition piece. Wow. It's still as relevant today as it was. Do you know, it has dated and the one thing about Willie Russell, he's not precious about his work. He really cares about his work but he's willing to rewrite, to change things, to change, you know, words update it and everything so he, he's been brilliant. I just, I want to come and see it um, and what hey, I want come to... tonight and meet Willie. I would probably... Imagine that know, wouldn't interest you, uh, would it? You know when you meet... No, no, no. <laughs> Dumpy Dykes Road, that'll stay with me forever. Now, um, I'm going to bring someone else on. It's someone who's not usually heard from, but in the spirit of freedom of expression, we're giving him a speech back today. Um, I adore this boy, and I've seen him so many times, and he is the char- most charming, sweet fella in the entire world. Uh, he's got an incredible show. His reviews are outstanding. Let's not uh, fart about any longer. Please welcome the boy with tape on his face! <laughs> Sam, Claire, Claire, Sam. Hello. This is Sam uh, Sam Wills. Uh, you may never have heard the boy with tape in his face speak. Speak for us now, Sam. Say something profound. So that's Sam there uh, saying no. How are you, Sam? I'm very good. Yeah? Show's yeah. going amazingly. Show's this are year, really isn't good, it? yeah. Yeah. Like a ball. So, so why uh, the name of the show? The boy with tape on his face. Uh, the boy, that came from uh, Tim Burton, because Tim Burton wrote a uh, book of poetry called The Melancholy Death of Oyster Boy and other stories. And in it was a story called The Boy with Nails in His Eyes. And it was a cute little four line poem about the boy with nails in his eyes put up a Christmas tree and he couldn't see it, but to him it was beautiful. And I really thought that was really lovely, mm. this idea of a, a beautiful thing that you can never see. And so I thought, the boy with what? And then I had tape on my face. So I thought, very literal. It's nice. Sums it up to the point. No copyright issues. Uh, and uh, you did a BBC Three pilot recently, yes. which I watched with the lovely Tony Law that was in it. How was that for you? It was good. It was really good fun. TV's an interesting thing to be a part of. It's because um, I'm, I'm fairly controlling about what I do. So I, I have my ideas about things need to be certain ways. And then the moment you start getting other people involved in the creative process, I tend to freak out and go, mmm, well, you're ruining it! Uh, and, <laughs> and so there was a few toing and froings of conversations and bits and pieces. And then the other thing about TV is that I, it's good, it's really good, I like it, but I'm not that fussed about it. I'd, I'd love to do more, but at the same time, I prefer live comedy. I think live is the best way to see yeah. any form of comedy. It's just go buy a ticket and sit in a theatre and watch a show. Same with the theatre. Every night the play will be different, depending on the audience. I mean, the words are the same, but the feeling can be different, can't it? It is quite interesting, actually, and it's, you can always... Sometimes you can tell the intellect of the people. Like up north, I get to say wanker in the show and the place erupts. But, you know, when uh, in Cambridge, you know, when um, um, Matthew said literary criticism, it brought the house down. Yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> it's true. It depends what you do. The heckles you get. I, I, love the, I love the audience. My audiences are beautiful, but they are quite... Uh, uh, Radio 4 and they're very polite and they're beautiful but very intelligent so if I say something they'll go oh no that's the kind of heckles I get oh no so they're not rude but they'll just they'll just quite quite firmly but politely say that's a line and you've crossed it Susan yeah. uh, so uh, it's the Amnesty Secret Podcast uh, we did the Amnesty gig together it's a very important organisation we're asking people to donate uh, to text to give us some money tell us why people why people should do that do you think Sam because there's so many stupid things going on in the world and things need to be fixed so they should do it <laughs> 
or else I'll kill a puppy. Do you have a secret as well? So is there any I've secrets? been freaking out about this for about an yeah. hour out there, going, right. what are some secrets? I don't, I, the thing about a secret is that the, I'm useless with them, and the whole idea of a secret is to share them, so I don't have any which are any good. I've got a couple... Uh, I, I tell people in interviews that I quit school to juggle. In reality, I failed miserably. And I got thrown out. Fine. Uh, Another Cal- one. Caligula made a horse a senator. Lovely. Uh, Another one. That's not a secret. I knew that as well. Come on. Another one. Russell Kane's 38. <laughs> I'm glad. Did you have anything equally? Come on, tell us something about a loose woman. Come on. Oh, no. I, I, I blurted out a secret and it ended up a full story in the Times newspaper. Uh-huh. I, I was in Russia at a party. As you do, right? I'd gone to Russia to this party. It was a mad party. And it was I was at the bar with uh, Scylla Black and Gail Tilsley, right? Helen Worth, right? Your life is so much more interesting than mine, Claire. And Bill Clinton was hosting this party, right? This is shut up! This is honest to God's truth, right? And he, he was dressed as an admiral. It was a 19th century costume ball, right? So Bill Clinton... Um, he's very, very flirtatious. And Bill Clinton's at this party and Liz Hurley's got him up against the wall talking to him. I'm at the bar with Scylla and Gail Tilsley. And he comes over in his admiral jacket and he, he starts flirting and chatting. He's one of the most charismatic men I have ever met in my life, right? And my boyfriend at the time was over the other side of the room. And he's, he's flirting away and chatting and chatting and chatting. And then he says, um, and his bodyguards, they still call him Mr. Pe- President. They keep saying, uh, Mr. President, it's time to leave. Time to leave, Mr. President. They obviously know what he's like. And he's like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. I'm like, <laughs> still is like, we're beside ourselves. Anyway, <laughs> he walks out the room, right? And then he come back in and he said, um, would you uh, like to continue this party somewhere else? <laughs> that was it. He was leaving and he, he's like that. And I don't know what made me say it. I said, um, you left leg staying and your right one's wanting to leave or something. So his line came back. He says, I'm a middle leg's dancing. That's what he said to me. Right, that's what he said, right. Anyway, he gets taken out by the bodyguards and he sneaks back well, into the party. <laughs> he sneaks back in and he comes over and he shakes my hand. He said, would you like to continue this party somewhere else? And I said to him, Mr. President, I want to keep my dress clean tonight. <laughs> <laughs> referring to Monica Lewinsky, of course. And I, I, I kind of told this uh, story to someone and they blurred it out on telly and it ended up in the newspaper, so that was my secret. <laughs> Extraordinary! Wow. Well, I've got a long way to go until I get a showbiz anecdote that's as good as that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the boy with tape on his face and, and Claire, to the two of them, please, a huge round of applause, Sam and Claire. Amnesty Secret Comedy Podcast. Thanks to all my guests today, Deanne Smith, the boy with tape on his face, Mike McShane, Claire Sweeney, Felicity Ward-Jigsaw, and of course Terry Alderton. Thanks for listening, thanks for coming. I have been and will remain Susan Kalman! 
Amnesty's secret comedy podcast is a Dabster production for Amnesty International.